0: Criticisms of capitalism, talk about wealth inequality, and what seems like a worldwide push towards socialist policy are in the news and hot on social media. Do you understand all of these conversations? Do you wonder why these conversations are even happening? I'm going to try and help break some of it down in today's episode. Class-based societies are socioeconomic systems following a formula in which a wealthy minority, also known as the ruling class, holds power over the majority of other people, called the working class. That minority also holds power over the resources of the land, which they commodify, hoard, or use to create dependencies in order to control the working class. Historical examples of this include feudalism, running from about the 9th to the 15th century, and mercantilism, running from about the 16th to the 18th centuries. The ruling class role was filled by monarchs and then private monopolies that were protected by the state, such as the British East Indian Company and even state-backed piracy. In addition to economic division, class-based societies also enforce social divisions that place wealth and celebrity on pedestal, while at the same time disparaging the working class who supports their lifestyle. Capitalism is the socioeconomic system we live under today. It too is a class-based society. Our ruling class contains billionaires, multimillionaires, corporations, and our government rather than kings and queens or privateers. The ruling class has bought our politicians whom they now control thanks to the SCOTUS ruling Citizens United. It recognizes corporations as people and allows them to contribute vast sums to political campaigns that were previously legally limited or outright illegal. Because of the structure of our socioeconomic system, members of the working class as individuals do not have the same power to influence policy as does the ruling class. We do not possess the level of wealth or influence to compete with these billionaires, and it shows in the ever-growing chasm between the rich and the rest of us. Before I go further, I want to encourage you, if you are white like I am, to be prepared for some tough talk that needs to happen. It may feel like an attack, but that's just because we've enjoyed privilege for so long in this system We're not used to being held accountable for it. While you and I didn't build this system that favors white skin and may only have become aware of just how insidious it is recently, we have and continue to benefit from that privilege. But that comes at a cost to others. Likewise, the ruling class has benefited from their privilege at a cost to everyone in the working class. Capitalism hurts us all. It is important that we do not fall into the trap of hyper white fragility. This is a term you may see on social media, and maybe you've even been accused of it. It means that we have allowed our pride to get in the way of listening and learning how our attitudes or behaviors actually propagate the structural racism maintaining the class-based society we live in. It is a reactionary trap that those at the top want you to fall into so that they can maintain their position by keeping the working class divided. We used to say that there was a middle class here in the US, but you see many news articles and other media now saying that with all of the policy shifts in favor of the wealthy, it has been effectively eliminated. Maybe you reached that conclusion on your own after the great recession of 2007 and eight left you in a lower income bracket or seeing others have it happen to them. The truth is, the middle class was mostly an illusion of power and superiority made to cater to us white people. We as whites have been given prejudicial preference in getting credit, jobs, education, health care, and housing simply based on a structural preference for our skin color. We need to acknowledge this structural, systemic racism, even if we are personally horrified that we have benefited from it. It's part of being accountable and being able to move forward. Speaking of moving forward, automation is coming with robots and AI already starting to be integrated into many workplaces. And there are plans for these to eliminate many of the jobs currently done by humans. This means that the ruling class won't need as many workers, regardless of skin color. They already treat the working class this poorly now. How do you suppose those billionaires will prioritize the needs of the humans they no longer need to support their wealth pyramid? It's coming faster than you think. Couple this with the climate emergency, and you'll realize that the ruling class is no longer as concerned about keeping workers happy because they know they only need enough of us to keep things running until a climate collapse, driven by their greed, makes our planet unlivable. They'll escape to their survival bunkers which I've discussed in previous podcasts. Really, historically, it's always been working class, including the middle and lower classes, versus the ruling class, also known as the upper class here in the U.S. And that's definitely where things stand today. It is important to note that even those in poverty are still part of the working class, even if they aren't employed. Poverty is weaponized in order to keep the working class in fear and therefore compliance so as not to disrupt the generation of profits to benefit those at the top. The spice must flow. Disabled people like myself who can't work due to ableist policies and attitudes are also part of the working class. This is a divide between haves and have-nots, that has continued to be propagated and preserved over many centuries on our planet. But the working class itself does not have to be divided. Another term related to our discussion is othering. This is a manipulation tactic used to justify the unequal and unjust treatment of groups of people who are different in some way. When Columbus returned with enslaved Native Americans and told white Europeans that those people were not equal because of their different appearance, that was othering. The ruling class benefits from this othering because it means that they can withhold money from those other groups in the form of lower pay, funding for programs serving those populations, and even treat them as lesser humans unworthy of the same rights and protections as others. This also has another benefit to the ruling class Their derision for certain groups can be used as propaganda to train members of the working class who adulate those at the top of this capitalist pyramid to sow and enforce divisions within the working class. This manifests in racism, sexism, misogyny, homomysia, transmysia, ableism, white supremacy, and so on. You may also hear the associated term marginalized, meaning people pushed to the margins of society and neglected, targeted, and exploited simply on the basis of their differences with the majority. Here we arrive at our next term, wealth inequality. This is a sensitive subject for many people because they assume they are the target of its criticism. They're probably not. In 2017, the top 1% of wealthy people in the world captured 82% of the world's wealth. Does that sound like you? If it does, if you are a billionaire listening to this, why? And why haven't you fixed Flint's water yet, you stingy, self-centered parasite on society? But I digress. The fact is, you are probably not part of the 1%. In my state of Michigan, the average annual income of a one percenter is $917,701. Sound like you? Median annual household income in our state is just under $55,000. That means that the average annual income of a one percenter is 16 times greater than that of the average worker. Do, Do you think that they're doing 16 times The volume of labor if so how are they managing this because they are frankly breaking laws of physics and scientists probably should be alerted so that they can study these amazing superhumans (coughs) you can check the numbers for your own state from a link on the blog capitalism was a means for the post mercantilism ruling class to create wage work and attract laborers who would then enable them to manufacture a good or service for which the worker would be paid an hourly wage. Prior to wage work, working people made a living in a variety of ways, including as serfs, farmers, apprentice, journeymen, and master craftsmen. The ruling class wanted to capture more of that wealth for themselves by enlarging their ability to generate profits with a dedicated workforce of their own. But if the workforce is generating those profits, then that means that those profits going to executives, shareholders, and already wealthy people are actually the stolen wages of those workers. If the workers shared equal ownership in that business, those profits would be divided among them equally, but instead they are robbed of it altogether by the ruling class who primarily act as predators and parasites on our society. All too often, we see that the ruling class come from generational wealth and those receiving the profits are not providing any labor to the effort, and labor is how success is achieved. Putting a bunch of equipment in a shop without any workers isn't going to make a person rich. (laughs) Job creators are nothing without qualified workers to provide their obviously valuable labor. This wealth inequality means that a minority of humans who manage to solve their problems, then either out of fear, greed or hatred, choose to deny the majority of other human beings their right to then solve their problems. Instead, the ruling class chooses to continue accumulating and hoarding wealth all for themselves, hoarding more than they could possibly hope to spend in multiple generations. The ruling class hoards resources and opportunities from other human beings. They don't send the elevator back down for anyone. They create and then refuse to even acknowledge, much less fix, the damage they do to other living things, including the only planet capable of supporting life for any of us. In order to justify their unjust actions, they cite their own alleged superiority and the inferiority of others. When evidence for these outrageous claims is demanded, those predators and parasites use a variety of fallacious argumentation to defend it. They attempt to claim superiority and parentage, physiology and tradition. They use whataboutery and gaslighting as derailing and misdirection tactics. They employ propaganda to create divisions among the working class to prevent us from uniting against them. They claim the reason the majority of the population hasn't been able to get any financial traction is that workers simply don't work hard enough. Have you ever observed how much labor most of those at the top actually perform? It's typically not much. And they often belittle those who actually labor all day long. They'll blame their housekeeper for her own poverty while shorting her pay and threatening her with a call to our modern day SS, ICE. But victim blaming is part of our nation's history. Right from the start, when Columbus brought back captured and enslaved Native Americans to Europe, the ones who survived the trip, that is, the ruling class had to make an argument to convince their subjects that enslaving some humans was morally justified in an effort to prevent their subjects from becoming allies with the new arrivals. The myths of white supremacy and manifest destiny were created in order to convince the European population that these new people were not equal to them and forcing them into slavery was just part of the natural order. Why? They'd be rejecting God's will if they didn't accept those ideas. This same propaganda was used as the African slave trade began and as the American colonies began to expand and committed genocide of the Native Americans to enable their colonizing and land grabs. It also worked to the advantage of the ruling class to keep all of these groups of people separated in communities in order to breed animosity among them so that they wouldn't join forces and remove that minority from power. We see this strategy utilized through the centuries by the ruling class, even as they shifted into two new socioeconomic systems, including the one we live in today. This structural racism that the ruling class embedded into the very fabric of our society and that they continue to nurture and defend has meant that many of us white people haven't even realized just how indoctrinated it is in our minds and culture until we come into personal contact with black friends and become aware of the social injustices that they have always faced. Yes, even during the Obama era. There has been a long history of redlining and enforced segregation in America because the ruling class has been so successful in exploiting the racial divide. This is done in order to prevent the forming of relationships that could lead to working class unity. We must deprogram the propaganda of the ruling class from our minds and racism is an aspect of their propaganda. Did you know that until Columbus returned with those enslaved Native Americans, Europeans did not even consider white skin as a part of their identity? It wasn't until they saw skin color different from their own that the Europeans even considered their own skin color. Then the ruling class told the white Europeans that they were superior to the enslaved brown and black people. In the century since, that same basic propaganda has continued to be an effective tool of the ruling class to keep the majority of us divided right down to this day. Many people complain that people are just too sensitive nowadays or rail against the latest developments in our understanding of the variety we see in our own species. But that's just more propaganda creating a bias against people different from them. They may say that they find it too complicated to keep up with, but we're talking about other people's humanity here, and I suspect that they wouldn't want theirs dismissed so easily, so why is it morally acceptable for some to dismiss that of others? Capitalism is designed to keep us so swamped that we don't have time for one another, and so exhausted that thinking about such deep issues can seem overwhelming, complicated, and if you aren't personally affected, you may brush it off. But if the way you exist suddenly came under attack, wouldn't you want people to try and understand you and treat you as a human being equal to them in rights? The ruling class encourages us to dismiss one another with the same abandon that they do toward the majority of us. If we have empathy for one another, if we support one another, we can join forces together. And the powers that be do not want that. It threatens their monopoly, their stranglehold on power and wealth. We as whites, especially need to let our brains develop greater empathy for and understanding of the marginalized and othered groups. Propaganda has been used by the ruling class expressly for the purpose of manipulating you and I to their will, and they want us divided. We've only talked so far about the ruling and working classes, but there's one more. And that is the despicable bootlickers. They are traitors to their own working class because they are enforcers and sycophants for the ruling class. So, which class are you? Ruling? Working? Bootlicker? Let's say you disagree with everything I've said. But you are a member of the working class. Let's say you refuse to get to know anyone who the ruling class propaganda has portrayed as others and think it's all rubbish and you're just going to keep on upholding the values of the ruling class. Maybe in some vain attempt to get them to pick you as their pampered pet. Fine. It's your prerogative to be a lowly, traitorous bootlicker. But know this. Our culture is rejecting the ruling class propaganda and challenging anyone who tries to enforce and propagate it. If you get called out for it, stop reacting, and instead, listen, you've probably got something to learn. And if you instead decide that you don't want to get your fragile ego under control so that you're able to withstand some criticism and potentially learn from it, then you need to keep your propaganda and hate to yourself. You will be held accountable for it. It'd be better for you personally and for the world if you worked on deprogramming yourself from that ruling class propaganda. So I really hope you'll join the rest of us who are doing this important work. You'll find support and resources if you show some willingness to be teachable. A fragile ego is not teachable because it is concerned with protecting the status quo of strategically indoctrinated attitudes and behaviors, not with admitting that we have new information to learn. It is centered in egotistical reaction, and we as whites especially have been indoctrinated to believe that our ways are the right or normal ways of living life. But that is some racist, long-since-antique thinking, and it's time to remodel our minds. I will again recommend that everyone get a copy of the book, Lies My Teacher Told Me, by James W. Lowen. A link will be in the blog. Part of this work is recognizing that much of the history that we were taught in high school was actually ruling class propaganda. We were indoctrinated, and it's imperative that you understand this so you understand why the system we live in operates the way that it does. Becoming aware of the class system we live under will help you as you navigate it daily. You'll start identifying propaganda more easily. You'll be able to evaluate ideas and policies using metrics you weren't even previously aware of. Hopefully, soon, the working class will join one another in a united front to change human history by advancing and improving society, our individual lives, and addressing the deadly human-caused climate crisis we all face. We must do so in order to retain the livability of our planet. The ruling class has had their day and has nearly brought our entire planet to ruin. It's time for the working class to take a united stand against them. Solidarity, comrades. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, that you'll like and subscribe on YouTube. Click the bell to get notified as soon as I upload new podcast episodes.